All right, I'm currently on the phone with Ron Preston. He's another musician that reached out about the interview series. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the chance to introduce himself. Hi, I'm Ron Preston. I am in Springfield, Missouri. Have been all over. Have worked coast to coast, but now I uh, I still travel, but you know my headquarters is here in the Ozarks and enjoying it. So uh, tell me a bit about you know where you found music and you know how it impacted you and made you want to pursue a life with it. You know, my my wife says that if if singing extends your life, I'm going to live forever. And so it's, it, I am, I'm always singing or humming and it drives some people crazy. And that's just the way I've always been as, as far as I can remember. Um, my, and I didn't find this out until just a few years ago, my parents, you know, they, they sang in the shower and at church and they, you know, and people say, what did your, did your parents play an instrument? I said, my parents played the radio and the record player. But I found out I had a couple of aunts that were kind of ready for the big time in in the Ohio, Kentucky area, the Cincinnati, Columbus area where uh, Doris Day and Rosemary Clooney. And they were kind of like next up, my Aunt Frances and Aunt Emma. And one played guitar and one played organ. And then they both sang and they were both beautiful. And but, you know, I never knew. I never knew that. I never knew that they were, you know, professional. No one had ever brought that up. So. I don't know if it, you know, kind of skipped, you know, over my my dad or, or my mom, although they, you know, they could carry a tune. But when I was like four years old or around there, I used to, my parents would dress me up like as a cowboy, a la Hank Williams, the elder Hank Williams Sr. And I knew his whole canon as a four or five year old. And I and I would sing, you know, that that kind of. Uh, country hillbilly folky style and you know, and I still love Hank Williams but so it just it's just been something that's in me you know from you know from a, a very young age okay so you didn't have any sort of, of prompting like your parents making you take music lessons or doing choir in school or anything like that it just came to you from the environment that you're in yeah and I mean I, I always you know I sang in the like the the youth the youth choir with my church. I sang in the, the chorus at my school, but it was, it was not never at the uh, prompting of my, or prodding of my parents, you know, although they did, they enjoyed, you know, uh, a wide variety of music. My mom wore the, the pop angle and my dad liked the, the you know, the big band, uh, Billy Eckstein was then Frankie Lane were two of his favorites, but yeah, it was it was just kind of I was self motivated. I, mean, I kind of still am, really. Sure. So, tell me about how you know you identified at some point that you could you know transition that kind of innate uh, you know love for singing into something that was a creative endeavor where you could create what it was that you were singing. So, in you know, again, I was in the you know seventh and eighth grade choir and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ad nauseum, but in I think I was sixth or seventh grade, there were some guys that had a band. It was called Sabotage, and I think they they named that you know from the Black Sabbath album, I believe. And that is kind of their they kind of did the heavier stuff at the time, like Grand Funk and Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and Zeppelin. And I was at one of their rehearsals, and they had like a they were 
practicing for a, a battle of the band sort of deal. And I just like watched them and it's like they were shoegazers, you know, they were just looking at their feet, you know, I'm like, gosh, you know, you guys need to, you know, liven this up. And they're like, well, you do it. Well, and that's, that's basically all it took. So, you know, from then on, it's like, you know, I hate to sound like manipulative, but you know, the angles, you know, it was like, you know, I, I, I need to do this, you know, and I, um, I, I was an actor as well. I did commercials and stuff as a kid. And I, and, and that was kind of a thing. It's like, I, I didn't really do, I didn't really go for the musical type thing. I mean, I did musicals, but I really can't stand them. I don't like them, you know, but I, I do acting and I do music, you know, and it's like, if it's the musical theater is not my cup of tea. I mean, you know, God bless anybody that wants to do that. But yeah, it was like, I, you know, and, and it's like, and you can make money at it. You know, and and if the the rough thing is, even in L.A., because I was in L.A. for 25 years and the cover bands, I mean, you can make a killing and you can still do that all over, probably all over the world. But if you want to introduce original stuff, stuff that you write, you know, it's it's really difficult, even if, you know, people like it. Your bandmates just don't, you know, like a lot of musicians, I just, I guess they don't have that, that urge to create something out of thin air, basically, you know, and I I was told so many times, you know, it's like, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to start my own band and play my own songs. You can't do that. Nobody's ever done that. It's like, really? Nobody's ever done that. It's like, have you heard of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and the Who and you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. It's like, you know, those songs came from somewhere. So, you know, I'm not saying I'm on par with them, but it's like, you have to take that, you have to take that leap at some point, everybody. And, you know, you know, cause, cause you're into music yourself. So it's like, you have to have that belief in yourself, even if it's blind faith, but it's like, you know, I cannot, I love the stones. That's my favorite group, but you know, I could only do Jumpin' Jack Flash so many times before, you know, it, it just was repellent to me. So, Well, even in those situations where, you know, you're practicing and playing inside of a cover band, um, as you kind of just suggested, you know, you get to a point where you want to create something new in order to perform something new. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. So, um once you kind of figured that out and um, got to the point that you did want to start those, you know, the creative process of creating something new, uh, how did you go about that? Did you start uh, auditioning for other bands to do vocals for, or did you part, start putting your own band together? What was uh, that next step? So, yeah, gr- that's a great question, too, because it's kind of it's really you and you hit on it. It's kind of like you're. You took the the thoughts right out of my head. It's it's like for, your first thing is like, well, there's got to be some other guys that want to do original stuff, and I could incorporate my stuff in that as well. So so that was, you know, but but a lot of you know, especially in L.A. Well, maybe it's everywhere, but the um, well, you know, I started this band and we're going to play my stuff, and it's like, oh, you know, I understand that. You know, it's like, but, you know, so I, I went that, I went that avenue for a little bit. And then there, I even had a, 
a cover band that would do some of their own originals, but they just didn't believe. They just didn't believe in themselves enough to go for it. And I mean, we even had some gigs. I was like, let's do this, you know, where we, you know, where you play four 45 minute sets from like 10 to two. And let's just do a set of just all of our originals. You, you know, whoever had originals as well as mine and people would get out there and dance and dig it. But it's just like, you just, you know, again, there's just the, the doubting Thomases or they just don't, they just don't, believe in their own material which i guess i did so so then i started my you know i in la we had the recycler if if you watch any documentaries with like you know slash or any of those guys they'll talk about the recycler (laughs) and you could put ads you know and you know hey i'm starting a, a a rock and roll band you know and it's like and everybody anybody's material as long as it made sense you know, you didn't want to jump from like something like blues based or rootsy rock to something like, you know, prog rock, you know, like the like Yes or or uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. You know, you wanted it had to make some some sense, you know, had to have some stability to it. But so um, I think that was like 88. And I had um, can I can I mention people's names? I had. Sure, Kenny, Kenny Shockley, John Perone, Alan Lassen. Uh, Kenny Shockley, he's disappeared off the face of the plan. I can't get a hold of him. I, I've searched everywhere. John Perone passed a couple of years ago. But I still play with Alan. Alan lives in Oregon, and uh, we still get together and, and play, you know, like once a year. But um, but I think, you know, it was like I was the driving force, and, and other people wrote and and we were a really good band the band was called the blame in the late 80s early 90s in la and we opened for you know we shared bills with all kinds of great acts um straight cats guns and roses um dire straits you know uh, the, the monkeys we opened for the monkeys at the greek theater when they had one of their reunions which was actually a thrill of a lifetime for me because i grew up in the 60s and you know I, I grew up watching their tv show so but you know it was uh but you know it's like after a while of, of beating your head against a brick wall you you finally figure out you know it's like you know do we have what it takes or are we just unlucky and we had one, we had, I can't remember the label, but we had some label interest and it was a big label. I can't remember. I, I think I've, you know, it's what, what's that called? Um, uh, some kind of amnesia where you, it's like you try to forget it, but uh, grunge had just become the, the thing. And it was like, man, we really like your stuff but you're not Pearl Jam. That was that quote unquote. It was like, so I took a little break. Okay. So um, that kind of is uh, some good detail about, you know, how you kind of got out there, started looking for stuff and then also kind of formulated the, you know, the type of music that you wanted to get into. How do you feel um, that, that has kind of gotten you to where you are now and uh, what projects are you working on? So I still, you know, I still write and, you know, I, I said, I took a break and I took a break in the, 
mid nineties and my wife and I had a couple of kids and, you know, and I was devoted to my children to the point, you know, where my wife finally says, geez, you know, you, you need to get out and do something, you know, besides just working. So I started, Alan and I started playing music again, but in, you know, I, I have not, I mean, I can't, it's like, it's, it's hard to grade like what period of your life you wrote the best songs, but it's like, I've just continued to, to consistently uh, write, you know, compose music and, and write songs, you know, throughout that, you know, up to, to this point. So, um, you know, we moved to the Midwest to, we moved to the Ozarks from LA in 2005. And honestly, I really thought that I was done chasing after this, you know, I, I, I tell people that I thought I was, you know, at that point, pretty much set financially for the most part, but I was riding off into the sunset and we stopped at a burger place in, in Nixa. They supposedly have the best burgers in the area. And we stopped in and it was me and my wife and my two kids. And there's a stage and there's all the equipment, there's the lights. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Cause you know, anytime I see it, it, it even if it's an instrument, I don't play. If I walk by a storefront and I see, you know, a horn or a violin, it just gives me the rush. So, you know, I see this stuff and I ask that waitress, she comes over to take her order. And I says, oh, you have live music. She says, why do you play? And I'm like, yeah, but, oh, do you have a CD? Yeah, but, you know, that wasn't my purpose for asking, but I go get the CD. I bring it into her. The next day, the owner calls and says, hey, do you want to play solo acoustic three nights a week? I'll pay you X amount of dollars and all you can eat, all you can drink and, all, and tips. And like, I thought I was done with this and, you know, hadn't done the solo <laughs> acoustic stuff. So that was, that was a new challenge, but it's, you know, I still play with other musicians, but the solo acoustic thing has kind of been, you know, what I've done since then. So what's that 17 years, the last 17 years. And it's kind of scary at first, but actually it's scary all the time because you don't have any buffers, you know, you don't have anyone around you it's just you your you know you yourself me myself and and i you know it's like if, you know if there's a a wonky note or you know you forget the lyrics you know it's like you know it's you that kind of ties back into what you're saying about having the confidence in yourself to believe in your material yeah and i it's like i'm i'm actually going to do a facebook live thing this evening just because i just wanted to and, um, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do a wide variety of genres, but I'll do, you know, I'll do a, a fair share of my own stuff. You know, it's like to play a couple hours, you know, there's, I like so many genres of music now, you know, and I say, it's like, I would rap if I could, but nobody wants to hear that. Cause I, I really can't do it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a revenue stream, but it's, it's a revenue stream that I won't be able to mine because I'm, it's just not, you know, I'm not good at it. I don't have that talent, but, you know, country folk, blues, rock, a little gospel, a little R&B, soul music, um, you know, just a little a wide variety of everything. But, you know, it's like, but my, you know, and then there will be people that will be asking for certain songs that I wrote, you know, that, and, and, you know, I, I tell you what, you know, and I don't mean to sound arrogant or cocky, but I'll put some of my songs right up there with the all time greats with Dylan, with the stones, with the Beatles, you know, I've got some songs that's just like, 
I don't know how that happened. You know, I heard Keith Richards say one time, it's like you have an antenna and you're just a receiver of this information, you know, and it just, but, but it also helps if you're, if you're practicing or, you know, productive and you're, and you're playing all the time. And and I think you, you, you have your antenna out, you know, more often than not. Absolutely. So, um, Tell me a couple of your favorite memories about stuff that has happened to you surrounding music. You've already kind of said a couple, but, you know, what else is there that, you know, has kept you motivated and, you know, was motivating enough for you to get out there and start working on music again? So my and a lot of times I forget this when I don't know how I forget this, but I was. um we opened for the Stray Cats at the lingerie in, in Hollywood, and they they had gotten they had been broken up, and they got back together, and we opened for them. There was three acts on the then there was there was a, a hair metal band before us, then us to blame, and then the Stray Cats, and we really got along with the management and the guys in the street cats. And I tell you what, those guys are monster players. I mean, it's like, you don't have to like rockabilly to like them. They're just really great musicians. But the first band I'm like, these street cats fans are pretty, they're pretty uh, rough and ready. You know, it's like the the girls had had bigger muscles than I, you know, I ever will. You know, and they, it's like they their their following came in and just started moving tables and chairs around because they were going to dance. And the first band comes out and it's a hair metal band. And I don't think they got through a song before they basically got the hook. I mean, they were they were physically removed by the Stray Cats fans. And so I said to my guys, you better be good. Well, the thing was, now we had more time to play because so we got to play like a set and a half because this this other group got the hook. And we went over really well. It's really rootsy rock. You know, I, I would say like Stonesy, Stonesy CCR kind of stuff, you know, and I, that's probably still not stating it properly, but went over really well so um that week the manager of straight cats and he's also uh, brian setzer's um, manager solo manager and he called me up and he's like hey i you know, really enjoyed you guys but i want to ask if you would if you would open for brian he's got this crazy idea to do like like a, a big band kind of thing which is he's been doing that now since then you know for the what 30 years or close to it you know brian setzer's what is it called the big band it's like a swing band but and and you know he said the magic words and i'll pay you but he didn't want my band he just wanted me so this was the first time that was i mean yeah i busked you know i, I played on street corners for for change or, or whatever back in the day but you know, this was opening for Brian Setzer and his swing band. And it was at the Palomino. And I mean, and there was long, just like it was at the Coconut Teaser for the Stray Cats, there was lines, I mean, that for, for a mile, you know, no exaggeration. So we get in there. I do, I do a set of my original stuff and I got an encore. And so I picked as an encore, I picked Dead Flowers by the Stones 
as an encore. And so it went down really well. You know, I went to the green room and there's Brian Setzer. He's talking to um, Richard Belzer and oh, now I can't think of the guy's name. Um, oh, gosh. I just had a senior moment. Um, I hear you <laughs> knocking. But it's like, um, what the heck is his name? I can't think of his name. Um, but he's a he's a rockabilly guy. He was signed to uh, Zeppelin's label and Dave Edmonds. Sorry about that. Um, so Dave, so he's Setzer's talking to Richard Belzer, the actor comedian, and Dave Edmonds, who I I really like. And he excuses himself, and he walk when he saw me walk in, and he comes over and he shakes my hand. He goes, "That was a great set." He said, "I just want you to know, the Stones are my band." Keith Richards is my idol, but you did Dead Flowers better than the Stones. Okay, you can take me now, God, because it's like, you know, <laughs> so that's probably, that's probably it. That's probably the pinnacle. Um, all right. So you mentioned that you do live streams via Facebook. Uh, where else can people, you know, take a listen to your stuff and follow you? So you can go on uh, SoundCloud. And it's under Ron Preston. Uh, you can also go to um, uh, Reverb Nation. I have uh, three Facebooks. I have Facebook Ron Preston. And um, I don't know. It's like there's probably a bunch of Ron Prestons out there. But there's also Ron Pres Preston artist page. And then there's cover of the Rolling Stone. That was a show that I did in Branson, which was maybe a little bit ahead of its time but it was uh, the first classic rock show in branson but it was well received for the most part you know for for the branson area you know it's kind of branson can is kind of stuck in in a in a time warp a little bit but um i think that's it reverb nation soundcloud you know it's it, i have a twitter you know I've, I've got all that stuff you know i tell you what you know, facebook has been really kind you know it's like i wasn't really into the censorship that they've displayed the last couple of years so i've just you know I, I don't get into the politics anyway but man i've gotten so many gigs acting and and music from from facebook so you know it's um it, it helps to you know have um a social media you know to to be out there and have a presence doing that you know i probably could i probably could do more but you know i'm i'm getting ready to turn 63 so you know and and honestly you you had said something about you know where do you want to go where do you see yourself it's like i mean i still want to be you know i still want to be the beatles or the rolling stones and i know people think well you're 63 well you know mick jagger's 79 and he's still you know he's still dancing around on stages you know again not put myself in, anywhere in their in their uh, orbit but you know it's like what what else are you going to do you know the blues guys did it until they died you know there is there's no i don't know there's i don't think there's a shelf life i think you just you just keep doing what you want to do and if you're lucky like me you know blessed blessed fortunate lucky whatever you want to call it you know you can make a few bones, you know, doing it. So 
I totally agree. It seems like in the music industry, there's this notion that at some point you have to give up if you haven't made it. And I don't, I don't see it as a zero something like that. I see it as, you know, as long as you're getting your own fulfillment out of what you're doing, then it doesn't really matter what the overall industry like thinks of what you're doing. I mean, I still, I record an album like every year or every other year and release it, you know, and I sell, you know, dozens of copies, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not platinum or gold, but you know, I'm, I make enough to pay for the process and, you know, it's a, it's kind of a vanity thing, but it's like, you know, there's people that like it, you know, there's people that like what I do and they appreciate it. And then I, and I appreciate them. And, and, uh, I think that there's always going to be that, you know, I think people are, are a lot more, a lot kinder and more impatient and tolerant than people might think, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's like, I'm just going to, you know, I, I do play locally. I play at some of the, uh, do private shows at, at, uh, 55 plus residences. I do assisted living memory care units, um, independent living residences. And I tell you what, it's like, it's, it's just, it's a blessing to bless them you know, to spend your time with them because the, the memory care places in town, you, they don't even know who they are. They don't know their name. Sometimes they don't know what their age, they don't know who, you know, what day or year it is. But when they see me coming, they know that I'm Ron Preston and I'm going to, you know, they're going to have a good time. You know, there's a couple guys, actually more than that, where they know every word of every song. And it's like, and I tease them and say, you know, if I get lost, I'm going to look at you to get the, the lyrics. If I, if I'm, you know, if I'm not sure, I'm going to look at you guys. But, you know, music is so, gosh, it's just, it's magical. And I never want it not to be magical. You know, it's like, you know, I know, you, you know, the, 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 only these chords can go with these chords in this, you know, in this pattern. And it's mathematical or scientific. And I, I, I know that that is true, but I don't want to ever be that knowledgeable about it, that it becomes not a magical experience for me. Sure, sure. Well, you did kind of uh, drop some wisdom already, but if you were to kind of boil it down, what would be kind of a general message that you would want to throw out there? It, it, music is magic. And and I don't know a single person that doesn't like it. You know, it's like, it, I'm sure in your brain, you've got the loop going on around in your cranium of this song that you can't get out of your head. And I bet you, even people that aren't, you know, that don't consider themselves musical, when they hear, it's like the olfactory senses. If you smell orange, it brings you back to this, but it's, you know, it's the same when you hear, you know, a Christmas song or if, if you hear Hey Jude and it's put and you, you know, I remember where I was the first time I heard it, I was at my cousin Billy's house and he had the mumps or something, but he had it blaring. I'm like, what is that? And my aunt came down and says, it's Hey Jude by the Beatles. And it was like you know, at 1968, whatever time of year that was, but it's just, it's just so, so magical. And if you have 
you know, I don't even know that you have to be that talented. I mean, and I don't want to put down the punkers, you know, punk rock scene, because I like that. But, you know, it's like they got, you know, there was a magic in that. I mean, it's a, it's a genre, you know, it that, you know, it's like that coexisted with the disco era, which, you know, I think the disco era, they had a lot more production, a lot more uh, musicianship. But, you know, it's like they they were they coexisted in the same time frame, you know, but just if you want to do it, don't think that you can't, you know, find something to beat on, you know, get a, you know, get a, a cheap guitar. And it's like and just learn it. I mean, I taught myself to play and I can play just about any instrument now. But, you know, and I, I don't I'm not a virtuoso, but I can get the job done. So, I mean, I think that's. Just, you know, it's like Nike, just do it. You know, if you want to do it, do it. Don't, you know, don't make excuses. Don't feel, um, don't be bashful. You know, just just go make, you know, make a joyful noise or, or not so joyful noise. 